This morning in our sermon, we look at some words from John chapter 3, the Gospel of John. So I invite you to open up your Bibles. We'll read there John 3, 16 to the end of the chapter, verse 36. Our text is going to be 18 through 21. John 3, starting verse 16, that famous passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, And there he remained with them and and baptized. Now John also was baptizing near Anon, near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, He is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the verses of our text are 18 through 21. By all means, leave that open in front of you. Let's sing after the sermon from hymn 70, and we'll sing all the stanzas 1 through 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the other day in uh, Fergus, I had a conversation with somebody in town. I joined the curling club, and there's a lot of talking when you're curling. He mentioned his dad. His dad loved to sing when the family immigrated, and they immigrated after World War II, maybe like some of your family. Well, 
they really had no choice but to join a church because a church was the only place you could sing. There were only church choirs. He mentioned to me his dad actually had no time really for church. He slept through all the the services. He had to be elbowed when it was time for the choir to come up to the front. But, he said, if only his dad would see the family now. Because there are ministers in his family. There are regular churchgoers. It all started with a man who wanted to sing. It makes you wonder, just how do people come to faith? And why is it sometimes that in the same family you can even have the exact opposites? You know, there's one child who turns out to be so serious about his faith, so, so committed. Another child of the very same family seems to want to think that life is nothing but a big party. Is it something in your genes? You know, people have looked for those sorts of things. Wikipedia has an article on the God gene. This theory that believing in God is good for the survival of the species. There was a book written a little while ago called Faith of Our Fathers. The author noted that many atheists have this thing in common. They had poor fathers, bad fathers, absent fathers, their fathers died when they were young. Their fathers were even abusive. That's true for the likes of H.G. Wells, Sigmund Freud, Frederick Nietzsche, and others. Father issues is what led these men to have issues with their heavenly father. I think there's some truth to that. In the verses prior to our text, well, we have that famous verse, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, it's this wonderful verse about the, the broadness and the expansiveness of the love of God and the gift of God that whoever believes. Now the question, though, in your head should be, okay, who is going to believe? Is everyone going to be saved? Is that number going to be huge? Why, in fact, as you read through the Gospel of John, is there this growing opposition to Jesus? And John really focuses on that. It becomes clear the Lord Jesus Christ is hated. And for no reason at all. He heals a man on the Sabbath. Because of this, the Pharisees want to kill him. 5 or 16. You're crazy. People say at one point, thinking we want you dead. 7 verse 20. <coughs> but it was so true. You can read in a few places. They try to seize Jesus, but he eludes their grasp. 10 verse 39. You know, when Lazarus dies and Jesus says it's time to go to Judea, Thomas says, let us go so that we may die with him. Why is there such hatred of Christ? The one so full of love. 
Well, here in our text, John tells us, certainly verse 17, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. In other words, the the point of Christ's coming was not to pronounce judgment, but the coming of Jesus does reveal, expose what is going on. Yes, He is the light, but sadly, this world is filled with those who love the darkness. I put the sermon under this theme then, confess your darkness and turn to the light. Look at three things, condemnation, bias, and also hope. So the light has come into the world, says John. Just like any light, it reveals, it it shines on what is in the dark and makes things clear. Well, this light makes it clear that really in this world there are only two groups. And only two. There are those of the light and those of the darkness. But let's tread carefully here. You see, when you read about this in the Gospel of John, there's those of the light and those uh, that are of the darkness. You, you first of all need to realize that it's not that Christ sort of comes into this world and there already were those of the light and already those of the darkness as if there were those that were decent in themselves who were godly and spiritual and then simply those that are not. No, everybody is of the darkness, actually. And John will make that clear as we go through this, well, go through that chapter and even throughout the gospel. Neither is John simply presenting this in some sort of static way. There are those of the light, those of the darkness. Christ is just shining and revealing what's going on. He is telling us this so that we of the darkness can move to the light. He is giving us words of encouragement. John here, by presenting it simply like this, those of the light, those are of the darkness, He wants to challenge us to make us look at ourselves, to look at our own hearts and see what is going on in them, in our response to Jesus. John wants us to realize there is no neutral ground when it comes to Jesus. John has just presented God gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But John also wants us to realize the salvation that God gives in Jesus Christ is not a sort of just take it or leave it kind of thing. No, he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's verse 18. You know, 400 years ago, the Arminians loved to stress that text. See, they said, it's only unbelief that God condemns. God is not angry with sinners just in and of themselves. 
as if they are totally depraved, they said. He will only condemn those who do not turn to Jesus. And that is not John's point at all. John is stressing instead how serious the wrath of God is. Not how little it is. He who does not believe is condemned already. John wants us to realize, you know, we are great procrastinators. Also when it comes to matters of faith. We like to put things off, sit on the fence. We might even confess that there is a day of judgment, but somehow it doesn't factor into our day-to-day life. That's still all off in the distant future. The one who does not believe is condemned already. This is something that you find throughout the Gospel of John. Also in chapter 5. That with the coming of Jesus, all the things of the last day, which the Jews thought were way off in the future, you know, the resurrection and judgment even, all those things get moved up. They are actually already present in Jesus Christ and in this world. John 5.24, if anyone believes in the Son, he has crossed over from death to life. You can already have the beginnings of eternal life. The beginnings of next life. Every Jew thought that that would only begin after the day of judgment. John Jesus makes it clear, if you believe in me, you already have the beginnings of that. But it also works the other way. If you do not believe in the Son, the Son of God, you are not in some sort of no man's land. You are not in some sort of neutral place, just waiting for that final day. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you are already under the wrath of God. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, already your life will feel the judgment of God. Already your life will be empty and go from ruin to ruin. It will already fall apart. It will already be cursed. There is only one remedy. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Time and time again, John highlights this urgency. We need to realize our faith too is an utter necessity. Have a look at verse 19 there. And this is the condemnation this is the judgment not just this this will be already off in the future the condemnation of god already falls upon this dark and sinful world that takes us to our second point don't we all like to know what is really going on 
what's you know really behind the scenes, what really happened at 9-11, those sorts of things. John here in this Gospel also wants us to see what is really going on. The light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Why was there such rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ? We need to realize this tells us what this world is made of, what our own sinful hearts are made of. Of course, it had very little to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, as if there was something wrong with Him. It had everything to do with us. Today, we're quite familiar with words and concepts like prejudice or discrimination or even bias. I wonder if the Greek language had the word bias, if John would have used it here in our text. That is the sort of thing that John wants us to realize, that we all are biased. We all have an agenda. You know, it's rarely acknowledged and rarely talked about. The influential atheist Karl Marx, the father of communism, he was an adulterer. He fathered an illegitimate child that to the day of his death he refused to acknowledge. Jean-Paul Sartre, the famous French philosopher who devoted his life to atheism as well as to the freedom of the individual, which you can see stamps our society, he had relationship after relationship with his female students, often arranged by his partner, Simone de Beauvoir. If you do a little bit of study, and there are a few books that walked me through this a little while ago, it is almost eerie, disturbing. How many crafters of our modern Western civilization were homosexual or bisexual? Well, they wrote very influential, intelligent-sounding books They had an agenda. Hidden, perhaps not so hidden. They wrote what they wrote to suit their personal lives. It was not the truth that they sought, but a world, rather, that that fit their immorality. And so one author concludes, if your heart does not want God your head will give you plenty of reasons to reject Him. But it's the heart that comes first. There are really only two choices. You either make your life conform to the truth, or you try to take the truth and make it conform to your life. Our text says it so yeah, perfectly. People, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Let's not be fooled when there's such hatred of Christianity 
such blindness to it. Let's also recognize what lives in ourselves. Men despise religion, someone wrote, and fear it may be true. Wouldn't it be so fearful? It would be a terror. If everything that we believe and confess was actually true and the world could acknowledge that, if there was a God, a Savior, an eternity, a day of judgment. How about this for a sort of thought experiment? How can our society admit that abortion is wrong? I mean, we would love that. But from a human perspective, how could it? That would destroy it. Can you imagine a society admitting that it has killed millions of the most defenseless? That is a crime worse than the Holocaust. That is far worse, dare I say, than the racial slavery of America in the 1800s. Who could admit this evil? Who can admit that there is a holy God? A God in whom not a speck of sin dwells. And a God who knows everything about you, whom you rebel against daily, People may agree with you about all sorts of spiritual things. You know, there is a God. Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. God is love. Yep, I'm okay with that. God made everything. Yep, just don't make me a six-day creationist. God has a purpose for your life. Oh yeah, I like that one too. God has to rescue you from the wrath that is upon you, and that you daily deserve. That you need nothing less than a Savior to die a hellish death on a cross. Here the agreement stops. Why is it that people do not believe? Is it because there's something lacking in the Gospel? Is it because it doesn't make sense? Is it because, well, maybe they're not spiritual? Is it because there's too many theological difficulties? Is it because there's problems with the Bible? Not at all, says John. Because their deeds were evil. All of our questions about the faith. And we have them too. Even as believers. They are not so neutral. Sexual immorality makes us the most biased, prejudiced of people around. Prejudiced against God, against Jesus. And that's true, of course, for any immoral lifestyle. We, by nature, are darkness. And we need to see then, the default for all of us is that we would want nothing to do with the Gospel for it is light like nothing else. But yet John is not giving us 
this just to sort of condemn us as if, well, now you have no choice either. That's just who you are. John also holds out hope, an alternative. And that's our third point. This is verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light. Now John will later tell us, you know, this, this doing of the truth, this is entirely from God as well. It's not that there were two groups in the world, those originally of the light, and they love Jesus when he comes. No, we're all of darkness. We're all of the world. But John wants to tell us about a different kind of dynamic, the, the opposite of, of those who are evil, where it's their lifestyle that, that drives them. This is something different. Because just look, he who does the truth. I, I like your New King James here, because that's exactly it. The ESV, the NIV don't have that. He who does the truth. The truth for John is not something that is just in your head. It's how you live and how you want to live. That you will live in integrity, in honesty. The truth is a lifestyle. The truth is not just something you believe. The truth is practical. The truth is lived. But he who does the truth. The truth in the Gospel of John is especially the truth that's rooted in Jesus. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the path of truth. He is the only thing that is true in the midst of a world of lies. He gives the truth that will set you free. And you see, there is another path for those who look to Jesus. Instead of this lifestyle of immorality that biases you against God, there is the path of truth. Do the truth. That means live as a Christian. As a follower of Christ, where you believe in Him, where you every day again want to obey Him, where you want to live out of His salvation, crucify your sinful nature, the more that you do the truth, the more you will also know the truth. The more you will come into the light. So do you see here, there's those two paths. There's the path of darkness, which constantly wants to cover things up, twist things, manipulate things, which constantly wants to seek the shadows. But there's also the path of truth. Those who do the truth, where there's an openness and an honesty, a transparency. We're no longer busy with that agenda of trying to hide things. But notice, though, the path is, although it's opposite, it's a little bit different to you on either side. The end of verse 21. 
He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. They, those who do the truth, come to the light. But not so that the light shines on themselves. They do not want the attention for themselves. They don't want the light so that it's seen how good they are. And they want God to get the glory. Is that the direction of your life? Coming to the light that it may be clearly seen that your deeds have been done in God. There's a new openness about your life. But it's not an openness where you're getting the pat on the back where you constantly make it clear. It's the grace of God. It is the strength of God. The power of God. That has made it happen. That's the truth that you want others to see and know. And that one day too, that will be the great joy of your life. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, there will be an openness there too. And it will be clear your whole life was nothing but a gift of God. Anything good in it was entirely due to the power and goodness of God. John here makes it clear the coming of Jesus Christ reveals and exposes. It's very clear at His first coming. And that will also be the case in greater ways at His second coming. So we also need to realize this. This same Jesus will return. Look at His first coming. Nothing remained hidden. Not even among the people of God. The Lord Jesus Christ. The light was so great that even the religious leaders of the day who belonged to the people of God who knew the truth, who had the Word of God, even their true colors were exposed. He will return. And do not fool yourself. Everything will be made known. Either you will be cast into the utter darkness because it will be clear that you were nothing but of the darkness. Or you will be brought into the light. The glorious light. The life-giving light of God. Because that was, by His grace, what you live by. And what more and more filled all that you do. Because that is what you sought and loved either the darkness or the light. Amen.